Since March 2020, collectively our experiences, relationships, and framework for understanding our day-to-day lives have changed as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. As a society, we're navigating these challenges, seeing new opportunities, and facing the fear and beauty of the unknown as we adapt. Lore Arts has been collecting stories and talking to artists, farmers, academics, community leaders, and members who share their experiences and perspectives during the pandemic. I'm Fanling Suen. And I'm Ali Roback. And, and this, this is Pause. Pause. This conversation was recorded in January 2021. Today, we interview Madeline Marmer. Marmer is a food person, a dreamer, a trained practitioner of circle, a treaty person, a landless farmer, the descendant of Jewish and Sicilian settlers fleeing war, persecution, and poverty, a community activist, and deep in the unlearning and paced quietness that this moment in history, she believes, has asked of people most privileged by white supremacist systems. She tries her best to walk with the openness, generosity, and compassion that she has been lucky to inherit from teachers, ancestors, and friends. Thank you for joining us today, Maddie. You're welcome. It's good to be here. How have you been? Where are you now? I'm currently in my basement apartment in Mm -hmm. Forest Hill, Toronto. This is the basement of a relative of mine, an aunt. Yes. Very, very lucky to have a spot. And how am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's a big question these days. Yeah, I think it's like a really wonderful thing when someone, and I am able to do this with you, family, since we're friends. Like, I'm okay and not okay. Yeah, yeah. Today today is is like... it's not a good day, but it's not a bad day either. I've had much worse in the past few months. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Going on inside is like, you know, the often consistent internal argument of like, what is too much rest? Mm-hmm. What is just enough rest? Yeah. Self-care, um, you know, as a form of uh, resiliency during this time and finding that balance is important and uh, I remember listening to this radio show uh, that talked about sleep and nap and they kind of equate it to the brain having a bath Mm. napping as a bath I adore that yeah so just gonna dive right in here and um, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today and 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 pick your brain about uh, growing food and you know if you be open to sharing with us how you how you got into food growing sure um six years ago five years ago 2016 backpacked myself through south america this was before i had come to the truth that you're always a tourist like you'll never not be a tourist because i often was like i i, I want to be like landed I want to like contribute to the local economy I don't want to just like reap the benefits of the tourism industry like I want something good and you know this was yeah before uh, what I believe at least is that like 
just own the fact that you're a tourist, be respectful that you're a guest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in, in that first kind of line of thought, I was like, okay, like I'll try farming. I've never done that. And I'll be volunteering. So I'll be supporting in a way like a local business. And it was a wonderful experience and very challenging and actually very healing. It was on the small farm in Ecuador, okay. in the Intake Valley, up in the cloud forest. It was beautiful. Yeah, and I, and I was like, oh, whoa, this is really powerful. I don't understand it. I came home. It's like, hmm, maybe I should try this for a month. Farm for a month at Flora Laura Flowers in Prince Edward County with Sass Long, Sarah Long. And so while I was there, I was living with um, the former field manager or farm manager for Vicky's Veggies, also in the county. Mm. And she was like, yo, like craft internships are a really wonderful way of getting into farming. I, I did mine and she offered a few farms and one of them was Whole Circle Farm, which I ended up doing my internship on, which was in Wellington County. Yes. And that's where we met. (laughs) And then from there, I've been, you know, farming all over Wellington and a little bit in the greater Hamilton area. So yeah, it's been about five years. I can't believe it. That's gone by really fast. I remember, um, yeah, when we just started off in the craft internship. I guess as you wrap up your your season last year, mm-hmm. what have you been reflecting on now that we've kind of entered into into 2021? Great question. I've been thinking about that so much. I think a big one is being really aware of of some form. I don't really know what it is, but a pattern of mine to take on too much. Mm-hmm. Also, Um, to be like a yes person until I understand what the no means rather than just like trusting the instinctual no like I'm gonna say no to this thing or this offer this job or this task because I know that it will help me say yes to other things that are also as important I found that quite a few people lost the ability or lost the access to their no their internal no comfort compass as the pandemic hit because of emergency of emergent needs of crisis so those at this moment like those felt those kind of two big themes filter into so much other kind of reflective points but mm-hmm. as of right now in this moment those are the two kind of biggies yeah setting those boundaries and you know what you're saying mm-hmm. understanding what your nose and your yes is I've been reading this book lately, and I, I forget the name of the author, but they they talk about uh, self care as a as a form of of activism. And um, yes, I'm going to dovetail that a bit into your your you know your trained practitioner of circle. And um, mm-hmm. for for folks that are listening, can you expand on on what that is and how you've offered that? that space and how you've done that within the ecological farming community? Sure. Yeah. I love, it's like a nice big gulpy question, like a few (laughs) different parts. So yeah, as a trained practitioner of circle, I'm in the lineage of non-native practitioners using a restorative justice container or form or facilitation practice that was gifted to non-native practitioners in the 70s and 80s by two first nation communities in 
Canada or Turtle Islands North. So I am part of a line of practitioners who, from the very beginning, before we kind of go forward in our training, mm. we really work on understanding what that is to be a guest in a practice, not necessarily a guest in a place, which we are all as settlers here, but we are a guest in a practice. And so that is like a big kind of component of Circle. Circle has a few different kind of protocols, a few different grounding foundations. It's a, it's a beautiful, huge thing to talk about in a very short time. But what I can say is Circle is a non-neutral, consciously created space of participants. And there's always a possibility for folks to engage with different ways of being with each other. I'm trained by two really, three really incredible trainers um, within a larger program of, like it's a larger college certificate of conflict and mediation from Conrad Griebel in Waterloo, Ontario. Mm. And how it kind of melded into um, my volunteer work for the Ecological Farmers of Ontario at the 2018 conference a good friend of mine, Hannah Renklick, and a friend of hers, Joss, led back-to-back sessions on, um, they created the anti-oppression training for farmers. Really beautiful and powerful sessions to attend. I attended both of them. And like, in this incredible way, like I was kind of vibrating with the power of that room and the power of what was happening and what was being shared. And it was super interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't a circle that had the protocols that I've been taught um, to have in place. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it was a traditional circle, but there were many elements of that. And during the break between the sessions, I popped out and the executive director, the awesome and formidable Allie English was like, yo, Maddie, no one says yo, Maddie. I just say that for everyone. <laughs> I was, that's what I was, I was like, wow. <laughs> No, Ali did not say that. She's like, hey, Maddie, like, um, the EFAO has been, like, thinking about an equity committee. Like, if there's, like, a spark there, like, do you want to roll with them? Like, sure. Like, I don't know, whatever. And then going into 2019, I had done my first training with Circle and had felt the same kind of vibrations as I felt in that first second. And so with another friend, Heather Toma, um, I went to Katie the education coordinator at IFO and I pitched this idea of holding again a double session at that conference that year in 2019 held in circle around equity um, inequity issues um, within um, the small scale ecological farm world. Could you paint that picture for folks who just to have a visual of of what circle I guess looks like like when you walk into a room and what that space yeah is who who's it for Mm. how does it open and how does it close and um how are those spaces created for for deep listening Mm, thank you that's a good question the chairs or the cushions are are set up in a circle myself and whoever's co-facilitating are also in that circle we're not separate from it we are active participants in it often and almost always in my practice we have a centerpiece and the centerpiece can be another 
platform for creating meaning and for holding meaning for those participants. And perhaps in the opening ceremony, which is at the very beginning before any words are spoken, and the opening ceremony can be the lighting of a candle or, you know, a poem or, you know, a few deep breaths together, even the playing of a song mm. of something that, you know, perhaps is meaningful to those participants. And that kind of opens the space up. And the circle is always and ever for the people who enter into the room for the participants. It's really difficult for me as a circle practitioner to have like an agenda going into a circle because the wisdom is within the stories mm -hmm. and the storytelling and the relating to the stories that is an organic happening within the circle. So the questions, the inv invitational questions that the circle practitioner offers, that's the only agenda setting that were given and even those I feel responsibility for not to be too leading mm -hmm. not to be too mm -hmm. direct because that in my opinion takes away from that organic nature and arguably transformational nature of circle just like creating creating the space for the group to come together is what I'm hearing mm -hmm. Why, why do you think why do you think this is important for farmers in in creating these vulnerable spaces? For so many reasons, but I think you know farmers by the nature of our work, and I mean rural and prairie rural farmers often can feel very isolated. And you know a barn raising or a potluck is one thing, but farmers also can I've been told can also feel isolated mentally psychologically, spiritually. So, mm -hmm. you know, offering circle and this year we offer, we, I offered it online for EFAO members was a way for them to come together to just share and speak and feel things together. Yeah. Whether that was hardships experienced from the pandemic or others. How was that? Um, just changing the space on, online in, in terms of a, like the facilitator of that, of that space of, of holding space for conversation or holding space for grief online did did you find anything changed in that in that way um having it in person versus is online or yeah so much and also it was wildly powerful in a way that none of us like it was it, it, it was powerful in the same way that in-person circle could be but obviously different because we weren't physically together mm-hmm like the sharing of experience and the sharing of story through thoughtfully crafted questions that hopefully were tuned to the time and space that those participants seem to allow participants to feel the same form of connection, perhaps intimacy, perhaps vulnerability, absolutely, mm. that they found in person circles. And that was direct feedback from participants. describe yourself as a as a landless farmer so in, in terms mm -hmm. of conversation around equity and farming it kind of begins to scratch the surface on on the conversation around colonialism land ownership uh, land access for young farmers and every year 
every decade, the financial cost of owning a farm is becomes more and more of a barrier for um, young food growers who are acquiring the skills, have the skills and desire to be future land stewards, but are unable to access long-term stability of having access uh, to growing space. And so this is a super complex issue with, with many layers, but just interested on your thoughts on this perspective um, in terms of your perspective as a food organizer or someone who's farmed at different farms in southwestern Ontario and as someone who identifies as a landless farmer. Can you speak about this? Sure, yeah. Thank you for bringing it up. It's really important. Right off the bat, um, it's important to note that I come from you know, two households that are landed, like my parents, due to a relative passing away, were able to purchase a house before the housing boom. And my brother, my biological brother and I are the sole inheritors of. So in a sense, both he and I, and then me as, you know, a landless farmer may come into money at some point. So I think that's really important to note that like, as I, or as I move through, through this kind of non, not owning land, wanting to engage in some form of secure food growing mm. in the future this may be a huge component of that and I think it's important to know because not everyone has has um, that that potential financial backing yeah it's massive like it's a, it's one it's I think it's like top three barriers for a young farmer aspiring farmer landless farmer is access to affordable land mm-hmm. so pretty quickly I was like in my intern year I was like okay (laughs) even though you know in that elevator kind of way of living that we're told um is uh the pedestal in capitalism I don't want to just start the next step in you know small-scale farming right after my internship I'm going to lean into the fact I can't afford land and I'm going to learn I've tried to be as strategic as possible I'm going to farm with different farmers learn about different crops, farm in different spots of the province and hopefully in other provinces to, you know, start to look at land in the way that a farmer starts to look at land, right? Is it arable? Is it close to water? And I'm at the point now where owning land feels more and more problematic. And so, you know, having farmed with two two farms who farmed on leased land who are absolutely at the mercy of their landlords who were fine people but you know at a drop of a dime could be like yeah you're out of here next year right who who cares about the infrastructure you've invested or and the infrastructure doesn't even doesn't just mean machinery as you know family it means like how much organic matter has increased in soil right yeah absolutely and that takes like lifetime yes of work exactly or trees planted and mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. so really from, from a first-hand basis understanding the precarity of, of leasing land so there's like that I don't want to create a binary but there's like on one side I've seen yeah the precarity of leasing land and on the other side more and more at issue with the idea of owning land and so as of right now I'm in a collective of facilitators and food organizers and food growers. Working name is Kitchen Table Collective. And if, and we're starting to work together, facilitate either in circle or other forms. 
it's this group of people, there's five of us who were, you know, we're, we've, we've been together for about three years that I'm starting to talk about more seriously, you know, what it would be like to buy land together, you know, put into trust or buy land together and either guest half of it out to the local First Nation. Like we just were, we're in conversation of what, what are the options of us not being kind of sole landowners or trying to break away from that legal system. So mm-hmm. you, you've often made this beautiful analogy about soil building. And so you just mentioned ah. that soil building in its literal sense, you know, takes generations of, of work in terms of increasing uh, organic matter uh, in the soil. And so, you know, mm. very ecologically minded way of building and creating rich soil, not just for the immediate see, but it's really with a long-term lens. And and you make this analogy in terms of um, relationships and, and intentionality mm-hmm. and either the work that you do with Circle, but also um, through different book groups, book clubs, and also um, just in, right, yeah. in this kitchen table collective that you you mentioned and the analogy is 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 friendship and you know connecting mm-hmm. with broader community in terms of of allies and you've talked about soil building as the first step and it's very a a slow brew approach to forming relationships and um yeah maybe the question here then is if you can speak to that analogy and around anti-oppression and and food access sure so first off the idea of soil as kind of the first step first-hand experience as an, a farming intern and aspiring farmer just really understanding how incredibly powerful soil biology and just soil in general can be and then through education like the University of British Columbia's um, free course on Indigenous education for reconciliation highly recommend that course and then also a lot of the incredibly crafted and experienced free resources coming out of the 4R movement is where, for me, solidifying this idea of soil building is kind of the first step. The 4Rs are a very central core of understanding reconciliation. There's four R's that kind of create that process. And reconciliation is number four. The first one is respect. Mm. The second is relationship. Third is reciprocity, and the fourth is reconciliation. And through other teachers and elders, I have learned that reconciliation in itself is a problematic word, right? What is the root of that word, conciliate, to appease, Mm. to please? Well, what is there to conciliate? There was, you know, there wasn't pleasure at the beginning of of the relationship. It implies the friendship to begin with at some point anyways. Exactly. And often there was not from the history that I've learned. So a lot of my work in circle and in other spaces and in the very beginning gentle touchings of anti-oppression work, which again, to note, I am not trained. I work with trained anti-oppression facilitators, but I myself would not be considered trained. So I actually don't, I don't say that I offer that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the incredible pluses of working collectively with other facilitators is often they have trainings that you don't right so we can Mm. offer more of a full plate yeah so to kind of move back to those four r's a lot of the work that i've been kind of 
doing and has been informed by that those first two R's, respect and relationship. And even going back into you know, white privilege and white fragility. So helping folks really gently inviting them to start engaging with the, those ideas, which often are so hard and probably will take a lifetime. So I'm in the long haul, right? Like, you know, I'm healing from generational, uh, multi-generational trauma. And I foresee that the circle work that I do or the equity work that I do or the restorative justice work that I do is generations long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess looking ahead into the future, what do you hope for for, for young farmers in the coming years? Um, and, and maybe you can speak about yourself in 2021 or 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 maybe in, in the long vision for generations to come? Yeah. Well, another plug, <laughs> the National Farmers Union um, Youth Contingent has been working on this incredible young farmers report um, for like half a decade, and hopefully it'll be coming out in 2021. And that is a very wonderfully written, synthesized blueprint almost for the future. So hopefully by the time this gets out, maybe that'll be out as well. Um, But in short, a lot more government control of our food system and also a lot more producer control of our food system, way less corporate control of our food system. Mm -hmm. And within that government piece, you know, bringing back versions of extension services, versions of farmland trusts, versions of the wheat board of Canada or supply chains. There are so many different types of jobs in the food system, not just farmers and not just restaurateurs or, or distributors. There's also abattoir owners or, or other forms of processing facilitate owners or workers or managers like there's so many different types of jobs so also within the college education university stream right high school stream uplifting those jobs as good jobs as well-paying domestic labor jobs and I guess more specifically for young farmers oh it's too big I don't know like (laughs) (laughs) those are you touched on a like quite a bit of uh, points there in terms of you know community work, policy work, um, you know, activism in, in that way. I want there to be, yeah, more trust in young people. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, more trust in young people. I, on that note, maybe for young farmers who are listening, do you want to just expound a little bit about who the NFU are and maybe how they can be involved? Oh, yeah, for sure. What up, <laughs> young farmers? <laughs> yeah, National Farmers Union is dope. EFAO is like your like biological geeky like rooted nerdy education based family. Then the NFU probably will be like your activisty organizer policy big big vision food system family. That's what I found, and you can become a youth member, an associate member, or a full member different price points and starting in this past year um if you're someone who identifies as a BIPOC farmer just email um the NFU office their email is on the national page 
and the membership fee will be taken care of, at least to some extent, either half or all. It's a wonderful resource for anyone to learn about the food system and a really, really wonderful organization for, for farmers to be involved with. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you very much, Maddie, for taking the time today to, to chat and share about your experiences and, and your wisdom. And I, I've learned more about each process and a little bit more um, just through you sharing your, your story. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Very glad to be here. <laughs>